Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Rachni Lala, who is a leading member of LALIT, which means struggle, a political organization in Mauritius in the forefront for the past 42 years of the struggle to decolonize and demilitarize the Chagos Islands. Rachni Lala was 12 years old when she joined the women's movement in Mauritius and remains active in Mouvement Liberation Femme, a national women's organization in Mauritius. When she was 14, she went to the first solidarity all-night vigil in support of Chagosian women on hunger strike after they had been deported by the UK-US military to Mauritius Island and have and she has been active on the Chagos front ever since. She's a musician, composer, and music teacher by profession. For those who have not heard, at the time of Mauritian independence, around 1968, the UK depopulated the Chagos archipelago and then excised it from the rest of Mauritius to make way for a US military base on Diego Garcia, one of the islands that forms part of the Chagos archipelago. Rachni Lala Welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. I, I'm sorry for such a long introduction, but there are actually people who don't know the history uh, of how the Chagos Islands were uh, depopulated, as you say, by the by the United Kingdom on behalf of the United States. Can you give us a a, a very brief uh, history? Well, I'm not surprised because in um, 1981, when um, the international solidarity movement um, started out, we sent out, at the time, telegrams asking for solidarity and got quite a few telegrams back saying, who is Diego Garcia? (laughs) Make sure this is a women's case. So, I mean... um, I'm not surprised either because, I mean, the history of all of this has been repressed. It's been made secret um, for many years. And it's now 50 years later. And, you know, um, around two months ago, we were still struggling to get articles in, in international papers, mainstream papers, about um, what had happened 50 years ago, and what's happening now about uh, the Chagos. So what actually happened was that in um, the Republic of Mauritius, which is um, 2.1 million kilometers, square kilometers big, I mean, it's very big in terms of sea, our country, Um, at the time of independence, during the process when people struggled here for independence, which was um, from the 30s onwards. Uh, When we got to the 60s, this was during British colonization. Um, There started to be signs on the Chagos, um, as from 1963. The Chagos Island is around, the Chagos archipelago is around 2,000 kilometers from the main island of Mauritius. And um, quite a few people came to Mauritius. One, for example, to give birth to a child here or for shopping or for 
buying stuff uh, for treatment at hospital and tried to go back, but were told the islands were closed. So that was back in 63. Um, <clears throat> then during the process towards independence, when there were negotiations towards independence, the British state announced that um, the Chagos Archipelago would be dismembered, which was completely illegal, but that's what they did. And so, I mean, in, in terms of territory, it was just announced before independence. I mean, Mauritius wasn't even, um, didn't even exist as a state at the time. It was still under the British Queen's rule. So um, that was the announcement during the talks towards independence. So <clears throat> at the same time in the Chagos Islands, people were told that they had to leave the island by UK-US military people there. And there was quite a bit of resistance because, of course, people wouldn't leave their homes. So, I mean, there was a lot of strong-arm tactics used. Um, for example, I mean, people's dogs were taken and put into ovens uh, just to say that this is going to happen to you if you don't leave. So people, that was how people were forcibly removed from the Chagos. Um, <clears throat> there were around 2,000 people who were living, people living there, and 1,500 came to the main Mauritius island. The 500 people went to the Seychelles. It, it so, seems, I mean, the case, what it's about 50 years later, is whether the decolonization process um, from British rule to independent Mauritius, whether the act of dismembering Chagos, the Chagos archipelago, was it legal or not? Was expelling all Mauritian people of living on Chagos, of Chagosian origin, was it legal or not? So what this is, what the ICJ court case will be about. It, it, it's such a stunning story, though, to have uh, uh, islands separated from a country by force and then depopulated and everyone expelled. It's so dramatic. It would make such a great Hollywood movie uh, and people would be outraged and indignant if you know if if somehow you could connect it to Vladimir Putin or Adolf Hitler um but because the US military and the British military uh did it it seems to be uh, of no interest um what is the what is the argument uh for its illegality uh it it, it obviously seems outrageous and immoral uh and uh, act with with double standards that wouldn't be accepted by others but but what how uh, how was it a crime well firstly um i mean it is illegal under international law to dismember um a country during the decolonization process. And there, I mean, there has been a lot of resistance to it. 
in the past. Um, and in this case, there was a lot of resistance to it. For instance, in the United Nations, before independence, there were United Nations General Assembly resolutions voted um, in 1965, again in 1966, and in 1967. I mean, there have been a number of um, resolutions voted against this kind of illegal act um, in the United Nations. But, I mean, it, it, it's never been binding. Um, and he, in this case, for the ICJ case, this case will not be binding too. But what it will do is to let people know about what's happened in the world so that people can mobilize yeah. so and um, get a polit political solution to it. I mean, this has been done in many ways. I mean, it's already started. It started in Mauritius from day one when Shagosin people came here. I mean, their first battle was to let other people in the main island know about what had happened. Um, and that took quite a few years. Then there was another phase of international campaigns. Um, and, I mean, this is where uh, the ICJ case will, will help. And people will get to know what had happened, what actually happened, and how it happened. And despite so much um, illegality in this kind of uh, action, um, I mean, the UK and the US have constantly ignored it, systematically ignored it. And, you know, the, the, there's been a big military base on one of the main islands in, of the Chagos Archipelago, which is on Jago Garcia. I mean, this, the presence of this base um, has been a real uh, shame for all people living in Mauritius that we have no democratic control over an area which, is, which has been used to bomb people in Afghanistan and in Iraq, bomb civilians, bomb people in weddings um, without any any form of control over it. And I suppose, I mean, here, it's, it's the same as you people in the States. You have no control over what happens in Diego Garza either. And, and for Although it's occupied by the U.S., by your state. People in Britain have no control over what happens there and how it is used. I mean, so, I mean, in a way... Um, this ICJ case kind of exposes the problem for us all to see. And it's time for us to see what we're going to do about it. We're speaking with Rachni Lala, who is a leading member of Lalit. Uh, you, for people who aren't aware, there is a case before the International Court of Justice being heard right now. And who brought the case? Who will who will testify? Uh, and and what can we expect to come out of it? Well, um, the case was actually brought by the African Union, 
um, Mauritius is part of Africa. We're not on the main continent. We're just we're offshore, but we form part of Africa, and we're part of the African Union. Um, and the case was brought, um, and this is very interesting, by the African Union itself to ask for a, the decolonization of a country that forms part of the African Union. So, I mean, this in itself is um, is something very big. It's not possible to isolate what is seen as a very small and weak Mauritius anymore. Now, the way that um, the case has been going, there have been written submissions by quite a number of states. And what is going to happen now is that there are 22 states that are going to um, go to the ICJs from the 3rd of September and give an oral submission, testify there. So on the 3rd of September, uh, Mauritius will be testifying, and in the Mauritian delegation, not only will there be the last living person who was present at the Lancaster negotiations towards independence, um, Aniru Jagnat, who was a former prime minister here, and he will witness on how the UK excised the Chagos during independence talks and how they used blackmail. If you refuse, you will not get independence. I mean, so, I mean that's part of uh, what Mauritius will say. The other part will be of Chagosians testifying at the ICJ. They will testify in our um, language, in the Creole language, and it will be translated. And they will testify on how they were forced, forcibly removed from the Chagos. And of course, there'll be a presentation of the argumentation on how this uh, process of decolonization was completely illeg illegal. But then there will be some 21 states. And um, also, interestingly, uh, a parliament, uh, uh, the, the AU itself, the African Union itself, will conclude the whole session. That will be on the 5th of September. There will be many, many other states that will also um, speak in, in the ICJ case from Great Britain, um, South Africa, Germany, Argentina, Australia, Belize, Botswana, Brazil, Cyprus, the U.S., of course, Guatemala, also Israel, who has... Um, that has supported the U.S. and the U.K., not surprisingly. Not surprisingly. I, I had a couple of authors on this program some weeks back who have a new book called The Internationalists about how laws changed after the Kellogg-Briand Pact of 1928, mm -hmm. and they conclude that conquest 
of territory ended completely around the world. Uh, and Israel is an obvious exception. Western Sahara is an obvious exception. But because they, were, they, they are Americans, these authors, they're completely blind to the many cases where territory has been seized for U.S. military bases. Uh, I mean, it seems that in such cases, conquest is is entirely acceptable, and people are able to to avoid even knowing about it. I mean, is that is there some hope that people will will find out because of this case? Well, I think um, yes. I think that will be uh, what will happen. It's already happening. Um, mainstream papers around the world are talking about it. And um, so, I mean, that's that's a change from from a few months ago. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. It, I mean, we, we had a campaign. We were contacting mainstream papers all over the place. They just refused to see it. Now they do. That's certainly a change. Right. And also, I mean, what would change would be that the balance of forces would shift. So now, um, because of the mobilization of countries, of peoples, it would be easier to take uh, quite a few initiatives, not only um, on the decolonization uh, question, but also the demilitarization question. For instance, now in the African Union, there's a treaty called the Pelindaba Treaty. And there is, under the Pelindaba Treaty, um, uh, a kind of process uh, where, you know, the, the, the aim is for a nuclear arm-free Africa. So, I mean, that's, that's the aim. There are already structures being set up. And it will be possible now that there is um, much more coherence in the African Union to actually challenge the base on Diego Garcia under the Pelindaba Treaty. I mean, so, I mean, that opens up another possibility. And are there it nuclear weapons there? Yes. There are. I mean, that's been very clear. There are nu- uh, nuclear weapons there. And 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 what in, um, what environmental damage has been done to Diego Garcia? Even if the the U.S. military ever leaves, what does it leave behind? Well, they will leave. There's going to have to be a cleanup because of the nuclear waste there. There've been. I mean, this is the biggest coral atoll. There and it's been damaged. Um, there's also the risk of explosion. I mean, this is quite recent. In, in June, the New Internationalist had an article where they revealed uh, the U.S. Navy documents saying that there was a risk of a catastrophic explosion on Diego Garcia because of the small anchorage area there, or the ships yeah. are you know close together. Um, so, I mean, it has a big risk of explosion there. This, this... So, I mean, there's been a lot of um, environmental damage done. 
and there will be a need for a cleanup. And, and this is also a site, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, that the United States has used uh, along the lines of Guantanamo, Cuba, uh, as understood outside of the rule of law and has, has tortured people there. Yes, I mean, that's been quite clear. I mean, it's official now. There were, there were um, inter- it was a site for interrogation. People were held there and tortured and questioned. I mean, this is absolutely clear now. And you've, you've gone to some, some efforts. I saw you, you forwarded me a letter that was sent to uh, the Labour Party in the United Kingdom. Yes. Uh, how, how have those efforts proceeded to get political uh, support in, in the UK and, and in the US? Well, I think um, there's two levels of support. One is a level where we've approached members of parliament in the UK. And this has been quite interesting because in the UK, there's an all-party parliamentary group on the Chagos. But it was always very tame. It was always kind of humanitarian towards the poor Chagosians, who were second-class British subjects. But now, since the case, um, the situation has changed. Um, I mean, there is still the humanitarian aspect, but along with that, there is quite uh, increasing support amongst parliamentarians for this case to be heard at the ICJ. And it's quite rare to have a state that is against the case being even heard at the ICJ and and it's parliamentarians saying, no, we want it to be heard. I mean, some, this is a new situation. It's also a new situation because now people like you and me, ordinary people in, the, in Britain and hopefully in the United States, will have a way to actually ask their MPs, their representatives in the Congress, on what their stand is towards this case. Right. It's a way to campaign. And it's one that is being used extensively now, internationally. Is, is Jeremy Corbyn supportive? Well, in the past, um, he's been supportive of the Chagosian um, people. Uh, but he's never been very clear about the question of decolonization itself of the territory. Nor has been has he been very clear about the base, about there being a U.S. military base. Right. But quite a few members of his party have made their stand clear, and they are against the base in favor of reparations and the right of return of Chagossians um, and uh, for Mauritius to be reunified as a country. Are, are, I mean, this is quite interesting. Are, are any members of the United States Congress in support of that? Not that we know of. Um, hopefully, uh, there will be people in the United States 
who will ask their Congress people to take a stand. We hope that there will be people in the United States who do that. I hope that everyone listening to this program will do that and tell your representative and senators that this is a case right now before the International Court of Justice uh, and that the the right of return for people who've been evicted from their own country uh, ought to be respected. Um, we have just a, a few minutes left. Uh, Rajni Lala, uh, it, it, what is the prospect for these islands uh, with regard to rising seas? Uh, is it possible that the United Kingdom will give people their land back uh, just as it faces the risk of going under the waves? Well, I don't think they would keep a base there if they were that um, worried um, about rising seas. <laughs> Indeed. Um, you never know. Yes, I mean, it, it, it's, we've, we're used to the kind of context. First, uh, the base was, it was announced that it was to be used as a communication station. Then it became a fully-fledged military base, and it was because of the USSR threat. Then the Cold War was over, then it was because of terrorism. Then after that, it was because of Somali pirates. And now, because of rising waters, it, you know, you know, it, it, it doesn't... Um, need to be returned because it won't exist. I mean, this is typical of the kind of pretext who, uh, that are used. Who is, I, I should apologize for all of this static and note that we are speaking with you uh, halfway around the globe. Uh, what, who, who has been saying that because of rising waters, it doesn't need to be returned? Well, there have been reports um, in the UK that um, in any case, uh, the Chagos won't be, won't exist in some years because of rising ocean. <laughs> it, it, do you think that's that's likely to be the case? Well, um, well, there are fifty five islands there, and as I was saying, I don't think the U.S. would keep a base there if it would become submerged. Well, it, it remains to be seen how long they will keep it there, and I certainly hope that the islands will not ever be submerged. Uh, what, with just a, a minute left, what can, what can we expect going forward, and what can people best do uh, to help who are learning and, and caring about this issue? Well, firstly, now is the time to ask your states about what, what is their stand towards decolonization of the Chagos, what is their stand, and to make sure that your representatives um, around the world uh, have a good stand on decolonization and demilitarization. The other call that we have is for um, the Mauritian Prime Minister, the President of Mauritius and Leader of Opposition, to head a flotilla to the Chagos Islands. Yeah. And um, there were initiatives 
in 2004 towards a peace flotilla. Um, but the British then offered very quickly to get a ship and take the Shagosins to visit their families' graves at the time. But now we have an official call for Mauritius to go to, to launch a flotilla right. to the Shagos. And we hope many people will join this flotilla. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, we look forward to learning uh, of progress in the future on this campaign. Uh, Rachni Lala is a leading member of LALIT, which means Struggle, a political organization in Mauritius. Uh, Rachni, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, Please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.